This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Adam Jabber. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. We have a great episode for you today with Steve Nyman. Uh, Steve Nyman is an elite level ski racer, has been for 147 years, and somehow still the most shredded man in skiing, uh, and the dude's just hilarious. He's a good time all the time. Uh, we chat about all sorts of stuff, but you're going to have to listen because this is, uh, and honestly, even if you're not into ski racing, ski racing isn't your jam, whatever, this is just going to be like us shooting the shit and chatting about everything that goes on in Steve's life and then telling some stories about some other stuff and we'll kind of get into it a little later. Um, but seriously, I, I love talking to Steve a lot, actually. Uh, so before we jump into that episode few things going on. If you are looking for stuff for the holidays, this is basically your last chance to get it in time for the holidays. Uh, so go to getthecollective.com. We just dropped some new merch. So that stuff is available on the website. Uh, also, be sure to check out the site in general. Um, you can go to outofpodcast.com. You can go to getthecollective.com, whatever you want. It really just depends on what kind of content you're looking for. We're working on the merge of those two things uh, at some point in our existence. Uh what else we got going on? Leave a review, please, on iTunes. Don't leave a review for the quality of my ad reads because, or my intros because we're really here for the content itself, you know? Uh, at this juncture, actually, I'm in Utah. So if you're listening to this and you're in Utah and you want to go skiing, I'm here till Thursday. That's all I got for this particular part of this. And then we'll roll into some ads. And speaking of skiing in Utah, I am skiing in 686's all-new Gore-Tex Pro kit. Greg Gang is coming in hot. Uh, we look good. We look very gray. And we are extremely waterproof, uh, and that's what you get with the all-new Gore-Tex kit. Waterproof on the outside, extremely warm and comfortable on the inside, and also extremely hydrated on the inside thanks to the new Hydrostash uh, little waist belt situation uh, from the lovely people at Hydropack uh, that is built into the Thermograph bib. It's It's pretty ridiculous. You can't even feel the thing there, even when it's full of water. Uh, and then a little tube comes up through your mouth or through the side of your bib and feeds you hydration like you would not believe. You were into Grateful Dead. They do make Grateful Dead stuff. It's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 686.com. Place your order today. Next, we have our friends at Deuter. It is Deuter, not Deuter. It is D-E-U-T-E-R. First time I've had to spell something in a very long time. Out loud, at least. Uh, they make the best bags in... Outdoors, period. Whether that's ski, outdoor, whatever. They have an awesome airbag. They have the most comfortable, the most useful backcountry bags that exist in the world. Uh, I'm running the new Freerider Pro 34 because it's got a little roll top. You can fit a ton of stuff in that thing, and it's extremely comfy. Uh, multiple ski carries, uh, nice little hip situation, so the weight is spread out nicely. It it just fits extremely well. Uh, so if you're having a hard time making a bag selection, if you're looking to make a bag selection, if you're looking to kind of chat about what the differences are between those bags, uh, hit me up, slide into my DMs, uh, hit me up at adamoutofpodcast.com or shoot a message to the lovely people at Deuter, but I'm happy to help guide people through products. One of my favorite things to do uh, and Deuter makes some incredible bags. So if I can help point you in the right direction to get a new pack this season, let me know. To look at the options, go to Deuter, D-E-U-T-E-R.com and check out a new pack today. And now, without further ado, we're into the episode with my friend, Steve Nyman. Why are you always in a car or like walking around? Do you like have a place where you just like sit and don't have other things going on? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not racing, I'm like, I just drove to Innsbruck to pack up some stuff and get some other things because I got to fly home and I'm just like hopping around everywhere. I'm on the move. I love fitting that. Fitting it in. I love that. Um, I appreciate it very I much. Could, I could be in a hotel lobby, but our hotel has horrible reception. So I drove up to uh, this zone underneath the sauce long in the Celeronda. And uh, yeah, why not? Um, Probably do an interview up here. I love that. In the hotel it's, lobby. It's crazy. It's crazy that there's better service there than there is in the hotel lobby. Oh man, it's dark. 
it's dark. And we probably see 10 minutes of sunlight there during the day. It's in a little pit. So, no shit. <laughs> um, all right. Let me first and foremost, like, you're not racing this weekend. You're not racing for how long you think. Like, what's the story? What happened to your hand? Let's, let's talk a little bit about this because this will come out on Monday. So it'll be current enough. Look at my Franken zipper here. Uh, broke my hand in Beaver Creek, uh, coming onto the brink. Just put it down on the ground near the gate and just wrenched it. And um, I immediately felt it and was trying to get my pull back. And I'm like, this hurts. I definitely broke this thing. And then uh, funny thing is I finished, took my glove off. The The knuckles were sunk. Ugh. And and our head team doctor, Randy Viola, he's like, oh, yeah, you did this and this and this. Pretty guaranteed. Uh, let's go do surgery. I'm like, right on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, we're all doing it. And then just took me in his car straight to the hospital and started working on me. So no way. <laughs> kind of little private, private little uh, surgery there. Not really private. It was had to go through the whole loop and all that stuff. But um, a few hours later, I was recovering, and um, yeah, I'm like ten days post op. Can't really roll my wrist, tuck, grab a pole. Like this is this is my other wrist. <laughs> Boom. This is Mac. So I go down with this thing and get fuck, you got to really do that motion. So I had a rubber band <laughs> wrapped around my wrist, around a pole. I was basically holding it in this direction. And I was basically holding the pole with these fingers trying to oh make it happen. God. Cause I love this hill. I love this. I've won here three. And, uh, just, I got to run the course. I ran it once, but I was just like, this is, this is too much. Come race day, come race speeds. Uh, the jumps are pretty big here. Uh, it, it's it's dumb to do it so i'm definitely not racing gardena or bormio bormio was an easy decision that's just a sheet of ice and super gnarly and uh we'll see what comes in the next week see how recovery happens and if i can maintain my health and and fitness and all that so i've been kind of hit with a lot of stuff this year it's 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 tough um i had a lot of back issues this summer three times i had to get cortisone injections in my back and that took a lot of my training away. The last time was um, basically a week and a half before the first World Cup. So uh, the past few weeks, I haven't really had a lot of fitness, a lot of training. And now I'm, I'm playing catch up and it's really hard. So we'll see uh, where things go. Yeah. How do, I mean, how do you feel? Like, are you still are you still excited about this? Like, you're not I don't know if you know this or not, but you're not the youngest guy on the on the circuit anymore. You are. uh <laughs> Like, are you still having fun? Because I think that's all that really matters, right? Like, nothing else. If you're enjoying it, then who the fuck cares, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Like, I love, love doing this, and I love the challenge, and I love – everything changes. It's not, not the same thing. It's not a basketball court. It's not a, it's not a playing field that is the same every time you step onto it. Stuff's yeah. different. The, the equipment's different. Things are developing. Uh, the snow conditions are different. Uh, the tracks are all different, so so it's just a different challenge every weekend. You got to put the puzzle together. You have to garner that confidence within you, um, that belief. And when you don't have that, it's is dangerous, man. It's a dangerous sport. It's 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 risky. Things can go sideways. It's gone sideways a lot for me, and uh, I don't want that to happen. And so when I I don't have that confidence right now. Um, you don't want to push hard on, on these tracks because it could be rehabbing for a long time. Yeah. Luckily, all I have right now is this thing. Does Okay, so like a small-ish injury, like obviously that's not that small, but it's small enough. Like it's not a knee, it's not a leg, it's not any of this kind of stuff. It, does that does that cause your confidence to waver like in what you can do and how you feel like throughout the season? Like I guess – what I'm wondering is how do you get yourself back in a headspace that you're like, I'm, I'm good. Like I'm rolling again. Right. Because I think injuries are obviously part of the sport and you've had a number of them, but like, how do you get to the point where you're ready to roll back into it? Uh, it's, it's really hard because there's like a progression throughout the season. And this race is actually quite easy. There's a lot of jumps. And if you're comfortable jumps, it's, it's a lot, a lot of fun. And you have to convince yourself of where you're going every time and really project yourself over those blind 
jumps. There's like 27 of them or something. And uh, if you don't like jumps, it's a freaky hill though, because it's, it's pretty flat actually. Um, but the next one, Bormio, is real deal sheet of ice, top to bottom, two minutes, 10 seconds, and just, just nasty. And then Vengen's two minutes, 30 seconds. Then it's into Kitzbühel. Then it's into Garmisch. Like they're all really big, high risk hills. And um, to not be within that progression of the World Cup, it's it's going to be tough to come back and um, and 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 be competitive on those hills. So a lot has to come down to like, do I feel good fitness wise? Do I feel good? Uh, I mean, I got I got kids, I got a family. It's it's going to be really um, it's hard. It's harder than the single twenty something year old dude that just can sure. live the life, you know. So um, we'll see. I don't know. I'm going to go home and put forth an effort and, 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 uh, see what I can do with my body. A lot of my workouts I do involve holding things and, and pulling bands and yeah. slinging weights around like that. And I obviously can't now. So, um, I'll be in like leg press machines trying to maintain <laughs> that strength and just see how things go. Yeah. It's all up in the air right now, basically. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it's good to know too. Like, and it's good to talk about it when it is all up in the air because it kind of gives people a good insight to like where your head's at and what the thought process is. Because I think people are like, Oh, it, like you look at professional athletes all the time, right? You look at a basketball player, for example, you see a note that's like, Oh, they'll be out six weeks and everybody just kind of like eye rolls and moves on. And they're like, okay, whatever they're injured. Like we'll see them in six weeks. Some people feel bad. Some people are just like, whatever they're mailing it in through this industry, through the, through this injury. But I don't think people realize like how much actually goes into it and how much that affects you long-term too. And especially when you consider the other stuff, like you mentioned, like having kids, having a family at home and like the travel that you have to do to make, like you're going place to place, to place, to place, to place, trying to make this shit happen. Mm -hmm. And the only place you can really ski what I ski, like, yeah, I could go race some Norams or some fist races. They're it's like rinky dink. It's so small. Like to ski what I need to ski I have to be on the world yeah. cup and to be able to ski it and not be there really just sets you back and, and to not get on that surface. Like they just get fire hoses out and soak the whole thing and freeze it up and, 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 and to not be on that surface is, is a tough thing to uh, train for and think you're training for then you get back on and you're just like, Whoa, this is pretty gnarly. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if I puzzle together, but it's going to be hard. Is what I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Um, let me, let me ask you then on the other side of the coin, what, how is it dealing with like having a family, having kids? Like, like uh, this is not new to you, obviously, but it's like you're rolling into the holidays. Like we're rolling into like, Christmassy season like I, I don't know it just feels strange to be away I don't, to watch you be away from your kids for like the whole season like or for a good chunk of the season is that weird for you like what well, is that feeling like no my family my family my wife used to work for the ski team so right she actually we were apartment over here and just live over here yeah so I bring the whole family and and that just makes it so much easier it basically puts me in the European game Got it. To where I don't worry about that. I don't have to travel home. But this year she's not working for the ski team and uh, she has to be home more. But they were supposed to be over here with me. We got to the airport and we thought we did the research. We didn't do it properly. We have an au pair from South Africa. Mm. She needed a visa to come to Germany and they wouldn't let her play. <laughs> so I left the family behind and came over here. But, uh, um, it's not working out and luckily I get to go home after a few days of being over here. So, um, yeah, the kids will love it. I'll get to have Christmas in the U S which I haven't done in a long time. And, and uh, usually we have Christmas over here. It's kind of cool. little, little, uh, dreamy. I mean, you're in the center of the Alps in Innsbruck. They have the Christmas markets. It's all, it's more about food and family and music. And yeah. it's not this commercial bye, bye, bye that America has yeah. as much, or maybe I just don't understand the language. It's also <laughs> nice. Um, uh, yeah, we, we get to experience 
Christmas and I get to be around my family a lot. So, um, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's, it's manageable. I, what is it, what does it look like celebrating the holidays when you're away from home? I don't know. I think this is a thing that people don't really understand. Like there's not many people that are in the situation that you're in, like that you're in where you're like, you're bringing the kids from one place to the other. And like, you're, you're moving your family, family from place to place in a very different kind of like, I don't know. Do the kids realize it? Do the kids realize that they're like in a different, I, I don't know, dude, like it doesn't, I'm trying to wrap my head around the idea of like growing up and having a Christmas in this place, this place, this place, and like kind of conceptually I mean, making it work, you know? Yeah. No, they, they get it. They love it. My, my daughter, she's five. She ended up, uh, she was, she threw a fit when she's like, I can't go to Europe. I'm like, dude, I, I didn't even fly. Man, I can't go to Europe. <laughs> but, um, uh, they get it. They get it, and she, our, our house frau, our, our um, lady who runs our apartment, Manuela. She's like, "I want to see Manuela," and they they put up this big Christmas tree, and they go in, and they always big cookies, and it's just it's it's they're kind of our family over here, and we've celebrated Christmas like, like that for years. Um, I've celebrate celebrated Christmas with my teammates as well. We always have a party with this guy Johannes who. Um, who helps facilitate a lot of stuff for the US ski team mm-hmm. in Patch, Austria. And I, the, I think it's Christmas, Chris, no, the night before Christmas Eve or day, we always go up for Rodel. Rodel's like a big wooden sled that sits high off the ground. Halls, man. If you get to Europe, you gotta, <laughs> got to. And we all hike up these mountains with our Rodels and then eat at some alm and then zip down. And then we have a good, nice dinner or barbecue, like in his in his backyard. So, um, we we try and keep it festive and and keep it within the family. I mean, that's we're a traveling family, our our team, our 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 group. So we have a good time, and then we have like a white elephant gift exchange and, and uh, kind of a real exchange. So, um, yeah, we 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 make it happen and keep it joyous. I love, however, I love that we can. Um, are you, I might've asked you this before, but I'm always going to ask this question. I think, are you sick of like the travel thing? Is it still exciting to you to go place to place? And uh, I don't know, like, I feel like after a certain point it might get a little old, but you tell me. I love it. I, sorry, I'm vertical here. I just, uh, for some reason you just popped on. Should I go sideways? Whatever you want. Um, um or am i ruining it i'll keep it vertical i have no idea (laughs) um the the travel i love the travel um i love i get to the places like the smells the hotels like some of the hotels aren't that great but the the people and the family and the food and the like the history like i've been going to these places for so long and i love seeing the people and they just they're so happy to see us the team myself and that that's a motivator for me the 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 friendships i've created over the years and uh the those groups and all that support that like this lady here in val gardena babs who runs the hotel here she has no filter man she just she's like dude you come <laughs> down she's like you sucked today what problem you know i love it from this like 60 year old woman <laughs> even who are you? You are better than. I want flowers. I want you on the podium. Let's go. You know, <laughs> so just fun. very, very direct. Um, let me let me ask you about Austria. Uh, we're going in. We're going with Fisher in February, March, something like that. So this is my first time there. What what mm. should be expected in Austria? Like what I don't know. What was weird the first time you went there that you weren't expecting? Like give me give me a little insight here. Are you doing the Fisher free ski thing? Yeah. In Ischgl? Yeah. Dude, that's fun. Did that one year. I did it a couple of years ago. Um, that's a lot of fun. Ischgl's big Is and it? real. And uh, they, they have a good time. They get the whole crew together, brainstorm on where we want to take the company, what we want to change with equipment. It's, it's just fun to be in those brainstorming sessions with 
um, a bunch of like-minded people and, yeah. and influence things for the better, you know? So doing that. And then every day we set out and it's like, okay, you guys are touring. You guys are going to go shoot in this zone. You guys are going to go rip the groomers or whatever, get stuff of just get whatever footage, go hit the park. Um, and they just sent us all off and, and we, we get the, get the content that they want and, to, uh, then brainstorm at night and, and create skis. It's kind of a fun group. I love that. I'm psyched. I'm, I'm psyched to go. I'm also just psyched because I've never been to Austria in general before. Well, Ischgl is connected to uh, Switzerland as well. So you can hop over, take a couple of ski runs in Switzerland, say you've been in Switzerland <laughs> if you haven't been there either. No, I haven't. A whole like block, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, none of it. Like I'm straight up. This is like me popping cherry here. <laughs> yeah it's it's cool man and to hear and to like pick the brains of a lot of the euro athletes yeah and the way that they function move through the mountains and and learn from them i mean innsbruck where we live everybody's like it, it's cool to fly into jackson and see the grand teton and the tetons and you're like wow that's beautiful but like when i'm in innsbruck i'm like i'm living underneath 10 grand tetons right now this is wild yeah and <laughs> it's every peak's been bagged and everybody you're not doing anything new this has happened for ages here so every, people have a really big respect to the mountains and, and deep knowledge of the mountains and uh to learn from them was was a lot of fun yeah um yeah i'm thrilled i can't i can't thank those guys enough and i actually another thing i kind of wanted to ask you was like what how did that relationship start like you working with fisher you've been with them for a while now like what how did that go when you were kind of like first being introduced to the team, first deciding that that was what you were going to do, like, and that was the program that you were going to be on? Uh, long story short, great story, funny story. Uh, um, I was on K2 in 2002, and I wasn't like a paid athlete or anything. I was a nobody. I was like on the Park City ski team. <laughs> and I was actually, my skis are a couple years old, duct tape tips blown out bases but these things were so fast and kg gave me new skis but they weren't the same they didn't hold on ice i went out east got my butt kicked and just was basically ready to go to college i i won these races earlier in the year on these like old duct tape skis and then i went out east with the new skis got my butt kicked then i went back home and i was like man those skis are horrible like i should have raced on the red skis that uh um were holding on ice but whatever and then i went to europe ended up doing well a couple fist races and uh the ski team decided i had good points from those early season races so they decided to take me to world juniors and a former coach it's actually michaela's coach now mike day coach Bodie miller at the time 2002 came to the olympics in salt lake and he's like steven like he coached me in Park City a couple years before that. He's like, Steven, just try the skis, man. And I got on him, and I was like, man, oh, my God, this is <laughs> so easy. And they were fit. And I went to World Juniors, and I won. It was like a nobody. I was in 90 stretch pants I got for 10 bucks at the Park City Ski Swap and a backwards hat. <laughs> and, like, I'm on the podium with Axel Spindall, and he's like, who are you? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, have you done World Cups? I'm like, no. He's like, Europe Cups? No. I'm like, I raced a couple of Norams. Like, just came out of nowhere. I won this thing. <laughs> and went to, uh, and and also on K2. K2 wasn't known for their speed skis. I got a pair of Fishers. Ended up second in the combined as well. And so then I went to World Cup Finals because if you win, you get a spot at World Cup Finals. Went there, uh, ended up 15th and went from nobody to the usb team and when i was actually given the fish your skis though it was holiday and if it's holiday in europe you know not disturb people they're on holiday yeah but got a call basically mike and Bodie were like give steven these skis please to the head of the race department siggy volgerider who's still the head of race department and he uh 
drove a few hours to give me the skis and world juniors and basically like shoved them at me and was like, you are interrupting my holiday. <laughs> you should be grateful. And just kind of like, like, here you go. And then I won. And cause all I had was slum skis. Then I got out of the rest of the skis and I ended up winning the thing. And it was so incredible. And then, so we laugh about this all the time. So he's like, I'm really glad I drove to give you those skis that day. <laughs> and, uh, I've just stayed with him. Every- and um, in 2006, I was given the opportunity to have factory service from Leo Musi, who was Christian Gadina, his old technician. And he's been my technician ever since then. And uh, he's basically my Euro dad. And we've developed the speed skis and been through a lot of ups and downs over the years, but had 11 podiums, three wins, and uh, a lot of fun on the World Cup Tour. So he now tunes for me and Bryce. Yep. And Bryce one uh here in Val Gardena last year so the true king of Val Gardena is Leo Musi who won four four times with Gadina three times with me and one time with Bryce so he's won eight times here dang dang big numbers um yeah that's insane I, then, I, I uh go ahead my uh, brief explanation that was Fisher <laughs> yeah <laughs> um can I ask I'm still you there can I ask you about Bodie a little bit? It's funny. He gave a presentation in Boston a few weeks ago, and he was talk- somebody asked him, what's the fastest skis you've ever been on? He was like, Fisher. Like, this was even up till a couple weeks ago. So let me – do you know him at all? Like, what's your – do you have a relationship with that guy? Like, was he somebody that you looked up to when you were growing up, like when you were kind of on the come up? Um, when I was growing up, like, guys weren't winning on the ski team, and, and I had this attitude of, like, like we got it, we got to win again. We got to win again. Then Bodie came up, and Darren came up. It wasn't like nobody was winning consistently. Nobody was competing week in and week out consistently. Like we'd randomly have a podium here or there, or win here or there, but like that consistent dominator. And at that time, it was Herman Meyer and just that Austrian powerhouse. And then Bodie and Darren came up and uh, just started working people and. And the cool thing was, is just his style was so loose, yeah. like loose, <laughs> lots of mistakes, but so much ground speed. And, uh, and yeah, he, he, he was like my hero, man. Growing up, it was just like, buddy, buddy. And then a funny thing to add on that last story is I went to World Cup finals with Bodie. Like, I don't know if you understand racing at all, but. Yeah. GS, I was not good. And I got all these skis, went and trained at World Cup Finals with Bodie, Von Grunigan, both on Fisher at the time, Eric Schlopey, Chul Zola Carlson, Ahmad, like basically three of the top guys in the world in GS. And I, I get these Fisher skis and I'm beating them all. I'm like ranked 300. 3,600 in the world. Like, I'm like horrible. I have like 60 <laughs> points. And and they're just like, who is this kid? He's like the next wonder kid. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just like, make the gates. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, yeah, and Bodie, I, I never did well in Slalom after that, actually. Bodie was like, dude, I put I put some money on you. And you didn't. You never came through for me. <laughs> I thought you were going to be the next thing the year after that. And I was like, no. Yeah, I ended up my leg that spring uh, skateboarding. And then it hurt to like do short turns. And so I took up downhill and was like, oh, I'm really good at this. And if you have a horrible run in slalom, like it's not that fun. But you have a horrible run at downhill, you're still having a lot of fun. So I was like, I'm sticking to this downhill thing. Wait, you hurt yourself skateboarding and that's why you didn't want to do slalom? Like what? I just hurt like to make a quick turn like it broke my ankle skateboarding okay. so when i was rehabbing it's just like to make that quick kind of torquey turn it hurt a lot but i'd also <laughs> never skied speed that much because of the kids i got on the downhill skis and i'm like man this is awesome this is so much better yeah but um back to, back to uh those skis that bodie thinks are the fastest ever it's it's this gs ski which i got at that time it's probably what he's talking about and they were so good and uh 
I got these things, crushed it. Then I went to, then the next year, Bodhi switched to Razi and Fisher was livid. They were not happy and they did not give me the great skis after that. And uh, that next year's models weren't that good, but I, I had, the skis got taken away or I gave them away or something like that or I just ran through them. I can't remember, but I just did not have those skis again. I, I was not good at GS for a couple of years until we fixed the product and, and, and refined some things. They put this like frequency tuning thing on the ski, which dampened it, yeah, but yeah. you don't want to, you want, uh, dude, I am so sorry. I'm going to lay down like this. There you go. Now you got light. <laughs> um, and, uh, it got pretty dark out here. And so, <laughs> Um, the, the, the skis, they're just too damp and you want energy in race skis and you want that rebound and you want that, uh, uh, exit speed out of the turn and this dampening system took that energy away. So, um, we had to kind of get rid of that over time. And once we did, I mean, there were still some fast skis coming out of that batch, but it wasn't, wasn't like what I got before. Why, why change those skis? You know what I mean? Like why, if something's working extremely well and we're looking at this 20 years later and going, that was the fastest ski ever. Why not just make the same fucking thing again? You know, that's, that's what my, for, so for him to sit on stage was weird to me and go, Oh, this is what, like, <laughs> this is the fastest ski ever. And I'm like, dude, you make skis now. Like I I'm confused about like why, uh, why 20 years ago there was technology that we can't use now. Um, fist basically is the culprit. They change the <laughs> rules, they change the regulations. You have to be within these regulations. It's kind of like F one, probably. Yeah. They they every couple of years they tweak things, and then you have to change a ski. Um, and and work within those parameters, and. Actually, that slalom ski was wicked fast too, man. That year was wild, and that slalom ski. The next year, I think it was a one sixty one. The next year, we had to use one sixty fives. Was the rule? So they actually made the tail as it got wider. It got to this limit of what the old side cut was, and then it got skinnier after that to meet the length parameters, which is so dumb. But it's just that extra material on the tip and tail same thing we did in the tip it just like flapped everywhere and wasn't as smooth um and then like downhill back in the day we used to be in like a 214 but now we're rocking guys are rocking 223s now again but it's it's just uh parameters change they they move to a wider thing they're like we did studies a wider ski is safer. I'm like, a wider ski is not safer. That's that's so much more leverage and bounce going into the knee. And then like two or four years later, they're like, it is not safer. <laughs> it's not as good on the knee. We're, we're, we decided that skinnier longer is safer. It's like, yeah. how do you know this? Like, it's not. Yeah, get it together. And we're just like their tummies, which is annoying. Yeah. Yeah. That's annoying. That's fucking stupid. So I was going to ask this, but I guess I kind of got my answer. Like, how do we feel about Fizz? Fizz is now involved and uh, has purchased uh Freeride world tour. What, like, how do we think that's going to impact something like the Freeride world tour? Right. That's a, that's a very odd, like everybody saw that news and everybody was like, what the fuck? Like everybody's fucked basically. I, yeah. Did not expect that at all. That was a big surprise. Um, I'd say uh, it obviously Fist has a big reach, but I hope Fist keeps the free and the free ride world tour. Like, don't don't try and regulate it too much. Maybe create uh, media systems and whatnot. I I know right now there's a lot of talk around TV and rights and streaming, and they messed it up so bad over the years. Yeah, to where. It's it's kind of hard. Like this year, it's hard to watch World Cups. Dude, it's like, you got to watch on outside. If you got to watch on you, us or on ski and snowboard dot org, you got to oh. uh, somewhere on NBC Peacock, and you're just like, how do you know? But that's just in the U.S. But um, I I know they want to kind of centralize everything over the next 
couple years, but that requires um, gathering all the rights and contracts expiring. Basically, every country has different contracts, and they got to figure out when they expire and and kind of start moving pieces in the right way to where everything's centralized and and maybe they can um, really have a good production and one unity that's putting out that material. And with that, uh, free ski could be under that banner and snowboard and, and ski racing and cross country, all that stuff's going to be kind of at one zone, hopefully in the future. Yeah. And just easy to find and easy to get more exposure. Dude, it's brutal. Like finding it is, is one of the hardest things about watching world cup right now is like, where the fuck is it? How do I watch it? When do I watch it? Like, what's the, like the timing already is like Euro timing. So it's like not ideal prime time in the U S anyway. And then you're like, Oh, I got to jump through 47 hoops to go find whatever. Or you got to like sell your sold outside and get whatever their streaming services to sometimes have access to the race. It's like, it's very bizarre to me. For $5. Yeah. For $5, <laughs> you sell your sold outside and uh, you can go watch uh, you race. Um, but now you're not racing for the next couple of races. So I don't have to worry about buying it and don't have to worry about watching it. So I can, uh, I don't have to stress it too, too oh, much. Thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, you don't care about anybody else. Nope. Nobody else. Nobody else matters to me. Just you. Uh, the thing that everybody keeps talking about is Olympics, right? Like that's what's going to change for you. They think like, oh, it's going to get them into the Olympics and it it's going to get everybody drug tested heavily, right? So like nobody smoke. This is like the two things that you see if you read the comment section. It's like everybody's stressed about potential Olympics for the Free Red World Tour and everybody like not being able to smoke weed anymore is basically what it sounds like. <laughs> like that's essentially what... They listen to those rules already i think they loosen those rules already so um but olympic wise i mean i have no clue where they would have run a, a big mountain comp in in no uh, china so they would have built it know. what do you mean dude they would have built it <laughs> totally just made a big pile of trash yeah. and <laughs> um and yeah i don't know it's it's I mean, the Olympics are a big thing, and it can get a lot of exposure, but it's, I mean, it's free skiing. Yeah. It's, it's, the Olympics are, uh, whatever. We'll see where, where it goes, but people are thinking really far ahead. It takes some time. 2030, I think, is what to, they were talking about. At that point. Yeah, that quick? That's I, what, get it in, I don't think they that can quick. either. That's that's fucking. I mean, that is seven years from now or whatever. But like, that's that's fast. And it's yeah. also like logistically doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, I don't know how the fuck you're gonna do that. Like, your gold medal is gonna be contingent on whether the wind's blowing too hard when, like, it, very much so, or like whether you can run the course on run one or what. Like, it's just so much different in free ride than it is in ski racing. Obviously, that's those are impacts mm-hmm. in ski racing, but in free ride, it's like somebody picks your line and all that shit sloughs or something ha- like it's that's it like you have to adapt on the fly it's a totally different set of moving components that they'd have to figure out so they got different games you got to play um and i mean they already got the helicopter in the air probably there so they can just pick up the winner helium wherever they need to go to get their gold medal i so guess you're good <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it's it's a very bizarre thing. I I don't really understand. I don't really understand what's going to happen next, but it is it is what it is. Um, I mean, it's cool. I I, I I in the in the large picture thing. I mean, if they want to get it big enough, and and they got to go down that route. But I think there needs to be a movement within FIS or within the athletes of FIS to uh, unionize and help drive it where we want to drive it and and make decisions instead of just leaving the the rule makers to a select few so um hopefully we can group together and and create something like that within fist to drive the sport wherever we want to drive it 
We are interrupting this episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast. Today, we're going to tell you about my favorite boot in the Fisher line, which is the all-new Fisher 1 and the Fisher 2. Uh, if you are have a kid, if you are a kid, if you are a kid, you shouldn't listen to this, but and you should be, you should be like, you know, with adult supervision right now. But uh, if you're an adult with kids, this is the most comfortable, easy to get in, most progressive kids boot that has ever existed. It goes all the way up to a 20.5. So for your little ones, 15.5 to 20.5, uh, most comfortable experience they will have. Finally, the new Rangers are in stores. They're available in all sizes. There were some available for sure, but like we're starting, like they were just kind of creeping in throughout the season. But now we have all of the new Rangers in many of the shops in the world in stock in most of the sizes. Um, I would probably argue all the sizes at this juncture. Uh, Ethan is showing me the new Ranger 96 because he is super interested because that is what he is going to be skiing on this season. Uh, X and I are on the 102 and the 108. Uh, they're phenomenal skis. I couldn't be more happy about the way that these things came out, the 96 and the 108 in particular. The 102 is amazing. Obviously, it's that jack-of-all-trades, do-everything type ski. Uh, the 108 and 96 are a little more dedicated to the category. All the same, phenomenal product. Also, you know who skis on these things? Our guest today, Stephen Nyman. Uh, so if you're looking for more information on these, slide into my DMs, let's talk about it, or go to fishersports.com or visit your local retailer. Function wear. Uh, do you have a face? These are for your face. Uh, these are face masks that are made out of plastic bottles. They're extremely comfortable. They're flexible. They're breathable. They don't get disgusting and gross like many of the ones out there. And they have the plush soft boys, girls uh, that exist as well. I, I couldn't be like, I don't know, like they're just, they're comfortable. They fit amazing. There's a million different color options. They even do customs. They even do ultralight tubes. They do headbands. The headbands are sick. Like I've got a mop on my head and these headbands fit phenomenally well. Um, so you're looking for a new face mask this season be sure to grab a function wear one and be aware that these people actually care about the environment and the future of the universe so support a brand that actually gives a shit go to functionwear.com and that is p-h-u-n-k-s-h-u-n wear w-e-a-r.com it is spelled phonetically sort of so uh you can also visit, visit them on instagram you can buy them at your local retailer all that said Back to Stephen Nyman. Why is Plague so important to you? Why, like, tell me a little bit about, like, your experience with that man. Um, well, I was in uh, Chamonix 2014, I think. I got to the finish area, and there's this dude in full American, like, top hat, flag suit, pants, everything, just waving this American flag. I'm like, this dude is, loves it, you know? And I'm like, wait. That's Glenn Plague. <laughs> He's like, Nyman, dude, come to Sham. I got tons of room on my floor. Sleep on the floor. A couple of the girls are coming on the ski team. So Stacy Cook was on the team. She was from Mammoth, knew him. And then she had a few girls that were going to go ski there. So Marco Sullivan and I joined in. And we spent uh, three or four days on Glenn Plague's floor and just shredded all day long like all day and he just went man and he just doesn't stop he was just showing us all these wild little zones all over uh it just rained in town and was snowing up high and he's like let's stay in and watch ski movies and that guy has endless ski movies just like <laughs> from from the, the beginning of time till now he just has it all and he's just telling us about all this stuff we probably watched 12 hours of ski movies that day and just kept going <laughs> he was like he just got all excited one time when a movie ended he's like or, or no we we're just talking about something i can't remember he's like hey, the guatemalan persuader and i'm like guatemalan persuader he's like you've never seen the guatemalan persuader and his wife's like <laughs> no glenn I don't know if you know, it, but the opening scene is him taking a dump in a cup. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> turn it on. Glenn took a dump in a cup and then just started shredding bumps on like a mono board or something. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. This is awesome. And then uh, the next day we went uh, and we're all excited to ski powder at Shaman. And he's like, it's like, dude, 
let's sleep in powder makes people crazy and i'm like all right and then we're all thinking we're gonna go up the Gita and he's like no man we're going over here and we're gonna go troll hunting i'm like okay and it just takes us in the woods and we're just like skiing all these little woods like junky muck <laughs> crappy snow it was so bad but we just had so much fun like we weren't searching for the goods we were just creating the goods wherever we went and that it, like that to me explains skiing with glenn plank it's just like creating whatever you want to create this is so fun yeah. <laughs> i've been a bump guy my whole life i love swallow and he's like i'm training with a masters in in mammoth uh but during those days in chamonix uh we just talked on anything and everything and uh he was telling me about back in the day when he was initially doing uh backcountry skiing in the sierras like nobody nobody was doing it at the time and he was out there just back in peaks and uh in the snowboard days like he invented the hardback binding basically it was like him and one other guy and he came up with the concept like he's an engineer this guy is a genius he has a brain when it comes to figuring stuff out and and uh and and building new products and how things work and like going into his garage and a ski den he just has all these skis and toys and pieces and and he'll just tell you about every single part and how this works and why that works and the story behind it and how we built it like he he created pin bindings way way back in the day uh hardback bindings like he's responsible for all this stuff that he will not claim that he's responsible for i mean he'll he'll claim it but he won't boast about it yeah and uh you're just like dude this guy drove the industry so hard to where it is today and i don't know if he really benefits from it but he also doesn't nobody really talks about it and i think that should be touched on you should talk to him about some of that stuff tell him to tell the stories because he won't be shy to tell him if you ask him no no chance but, i like i i want to have this guy on a hundred yeah. times like the first i it's funny Ben Fresco, uh, the Elon marketing guy for North America, reached out and was like, hey, do you want to have Glenn on? And I was like, I don't know, dude. Glenn's like, I don't know if that's like my type of guy. Like, I don't know him. Like, I don't want to bug him. Like, you anybody's know, type of guy. The, I, I didn't know this. <laughs> so he's like, let him just call you and we'll see if this is like the kind of interview that you want to do. And like, he calls me, dude. And we talk for 45 minutes about, and I had never talked to this man in my life. And he's like, oh, dude, I just did this fucking bike race. What do you want to talk about? Oh, podcasts for like magazines. Like, oh, blah, blah. and he's just fucking going on and on and on and on. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be fucking fun. And then I have him on. And literally, like, we did whatever the episode was, two hours, 2.15, something like that. We probably talked an hour yeah. before and an hour afterwards. And that motherfucker would have stayed there and just talked day, like all day long. And it was like one of the best. It's funny. Ethan was sitting in the booth that day and he's like, dude. I had no idea who Glenn Plake was. Like, obviously, I know who Glenn Plake is. Like, I grew yeah. up, like, my, it's the only episode, like, my dad has ever cared about is when Glenn Plague comes on, is that. But, like, Ethan came out of the booth and was like, that's my new favorite guy. I love that guy. I love that guy more than anything. I'm just like, all right, like, same. Oh, yeah. That's just how he is. That's just how he is. But the people, <laughs> he's good, uh, man. The people and, love and he's him. He's just a good human, and, and, and the way he wants to, he's like, he's the ultimate ambassador for skiing he's just so fired up about it loves it and wants to share it with anyone and everyone yeah i can't decide if he hates snowboarding or likes snowboarding so like i'm not <laughs> his opinions on snowboarding i feel like are a hair harsh sometimes but like i also he'll end every sentence that he talks about snowboarding and he's like i love snowboarders i have plenty of snowboard snowboard friends and i'm just like this is very this is an odd stance to be taking right he's trying now. to justify it <laughs> yeah exactly he's like no it's fine i love them i have friends that are snowboarders like okay cool man <laughs> it's uh it's great um all right yeah i i don't know what your numbers are but I imagine they're pretty good for the Glenn Flake episode. Dude, and people coming out of the woodworks. For man, you got to get him on. He's great. Yeah. I just, so entertaining. And so many people text me and they're just like, you got to listen to Glenn's show. You got to listen to Glenn's show. Dude. And uh, everybody's a fan. Yeah, he's a full But on. he's like, 
his little ranch and his water skiing in, in Nevada <laughs> and just his motorheadness. It's it's so fun to be around. He's just super excited. We talk water skiing a lot. It's a nerd sport. It totally is. What yeah, I I still can't believe he's rocking that hair still. Oh yeah. Like we did it. Oh, as a thank you, like so <laughs> as a thank you, we found this jacket in downtown Chamonix that zips all the way up over the face and when you zip it up it has like the oh the, eye the goggles yeah, integrated yeah, yeah. into the hood <laughs> yeah, you know yeah <laughs> and, and so we all pitched in and got this jacket for him and brought it to him and he was just like this is awesome <laughs> and he like zipped it up and just walked around town for like three hours <laughs> oh my god fucking <laughs> glenn plague oh yeah um, so great yeah, I, I love that. I'm a huge fan of that guy. And uh, yeah, dude, he was like, coming to my, like, let's get dinner. When are you in town? Like, I was in Tahoe like the week afterwards. And he's like, dude, let's hang out. And I'm just like, all right, man. Like, I have no, I didn't know how we became best friends, but Glenn and I are best friends now. So um, he's obviously welcome on anytime. So it's, uh, it's phenomenal. And the um, dynamic between he and his wife is, dude, is a lot of fun to be around. Like, Kim's just <laughs> a little treasure, man. She's, she's always like, tell him what to do. And he's always, he just has this like ultimate respect for her. And it's just like, I'd be a bum in a trash can right now for for you. But yeah. I was just like saying these like lovely things to her that are like kind of lovely, but yeah, sort, <laughs> like, sort of lovely. Just so great. You just, yeah. Did you yeah. watch the, did you watch the, and then she's thing? like, can I do your hair up? Can I just crack, some, I crack some eggs and put some peanut butter in that hair. Can I do your hair up? <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you watch the pit viper thing? Did you see this? Uh, the like, the live I didn't, stream. I, I saw like random clips from it, but I didn't. Dude, he's like holding was a it kangaroo. like a fundraiser. What was it for? Dude, it was just to sell product on Black Friday, I think, or something like that, like or oh. Cyber Week <laughs> or whatever the fuck. But like, Glenn's like in Dude. a WWE ring, basically, like wrestling people, like full on match, like him and I. Whenever I tuned in, like late, late in it, it's like him and Kimberly sitting in the ring like in bathrobes just like hanging out like fielding calls with people like he was holding a fucking kangaroo at one point like it's just like that company and him are like a perfect wearing a hey nice chat <laughs> i'll see you later i'll send you everything when it's ready to go